We are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraub. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. All right. I hope you're ready because we have a big week of news this week. A lot of stuff came out, uh, but we're going to start out with the Electric's Vehicle of the Year that I just posted earlier today. But before that, uh, we don't have a traditional sponsor this week. <laughs> we are sponsoring our own show this week with our merch store, a new, uh, an upgraded merch store launching on Electric. It's, uh, let me share this screen right here. Uh, it's uh, merch dot electric dot co uh, we have a few new products that we're launching it's all electric branded stuff so if you're a big fan of the website or the show or whatever you like to show your support to uh, to us uh, because the show is for free every week and sometimes uh, we have sponsors not all the time so uh, you can uh, grab yourself uh, a little hoodie um, a t-shirt we have electric stickers that will look real nice on uh uh, on your laptop, uh, we have electric uh, water bottles, and it's all quality stuff, real nice. Uh, a little, ca- a little uh, hat, a little dad's cap, they call it. Okay, <laughs> a little pom pom knit. It's the winter right now. Keep your keep those here nice and cozy. Um, you can go to merch.electric.co. This is co. Oh, we even have we brought back. That's right. The uh, a whole uh, Fred's design. Well, I mean Fred's design. I always stay careful taking like it's my, the design is my idea to put the silhouette of uh, of the uh, uh, some of the most historic electric vehicle out there, including the electric car. If you didn't know. Electric was uh, before it was a website. It was a car, which said didn't even know about before naming the <laughs> website. Uh, a little ugly, the ugliest car you ever seen. You can tell just by the silhouette here. Um, of course, we put the cyber truck, which is nice because it's just lunch. But we put the cyber truck not because it's like a iconic electric vehicle, but mostly because the shape is very iconic. Uh, so you can grab yourself uh, one of the electric cars of note. Um, history electric car uh, t-shirt that's uh, designed by our own Michael Bauer, but idea by Fred Lambert. You know, I will say one thing. Um, I noticed that when I go, like if I'm getting a Tesla repair or if I'm going shopping at a um, a dealership for a uh, Chevy Bolt, for instance, mm-hmm. and I'm wearing electric stuff, I feel like I get a little bit better service. Especially oh, at, the, at Tesla. So, so you're, you're talking about a, a little trick here, a little trick to get better service with electric vehicle folks. Uh, you you made him you made him think that you work for. Electric. <laughs> I think that, we'll we'll that let you go stuff. on that one. We'll let we'll, you buy some gear. You represent <laughs> electric. You go into Tesla. You get better service. <laughs> All right, uh, let's jump right in uh, this week with the electric vehicle of the of the year. We went with the Tesla Model Y, which, based on the comment section of the article, a bit controversial. <laughs> but, I was surprised. But, I mean, you made I a mean, good a lot, case. A lot of people, I think most people liked it. I mean, it's, it's my brain, like my writer's brain. Every time I look at the comments, the one that sticks out are the, the negative one. But I think most of them are, are, are positive. Because um, the, the idea behind it, I know, first of all, most people that choose a vehicle of the year, most publication that goes for vehicle of the years, they go with a vehicle that launched that year, uh, which makes sense to some degree. But and and there were quite a few electric vehicles that launched that year that were interesting to us that, that I think are, are important. I think the Volvo EX30 is one that uh, 
a lot of people are excited about. But it, I mean, literally just launched now, and I don't think they have they delivered anything. This Nothing year? in the U.S. Uh, yeah, they've delivered in Europe. Yeah, that's the thing too. So we're more like a North American focused publication, even though we cover the whole world. We uh, we focus a lot on North America, so like, it didn't feel exactly right to launch that. We have well, we we want to uh, spend more time with it too and everything. But it does not matter why why we chose it this year in 2023, even though that thing launched in 2019. It's because they sold more of that car than ever before. So much so that it's now the best-selling passenger vehicle in the world, surpassing the Corolla, the Toyota Corolla, surpassing the F-150 series, surpassing the, um, what was the, uh, the RAV4 was the other one. So last year, it was fourth uh, in the world for best-selling vehicle already within two years of being a vehicle program, like two full years. Uh, then uh, it had about 750,000 units sold. Um Behind the RAV4, a little bit more, a million for the F1 series and 1.1 million for the Corolla. This year, it's surpassing that with over a million units sold. Um, and we think that it's worth noting as vehicle of the year just for the, the impact it has on directly to by adding so many electric vehicles on the road, which is going to convert a lot of gas mileage into electric mileage, uh, which we know is more efficient and can be a lot more efficient, especially if you combine them with renewable energy charging. But also in Zirically, because now you have the first electric vehicle being the best-selling car in the world, which sends a strong message across the industry that you want the best-selling vehicle out there, it has to be electric. You have to make a compelling electric vehicle in high volume. And I think the Model Y is the first. I mean, the Model 3 was also high volume and, and, and compelling vehicle. But um, the Model Y clearly surpasses it in volume. And for good reason, because it's, it's in a more compelling segment, the crossover. Um, and it's, uh, it's kind of a Swiss Army knife of a car, really. You have it, it drives like a sports car, especially if you have a performance version. Yeah, so, so as a Model Model Y owner, early 2020 Model Y owner, um, I'm all all on board with uh, the decision. Uh, I, I agree, uh, but you know, there's there's some issues with the Model Y. Uh, you know, I had the panel gaps and the and the weird stuff. Um, uh, it doesn't like I'd much rather drive a Model Three than a Model Y. But like tonight, we're going to Vermont and we're going in the Model Y. And we have three, you know, EVs. We have a Rivian, but it's just better to have superchargers. And, uh, you know, it drives pretty good uh, for, you know, a crossover. It's it's a pretty good ride. Um, it's quite fast. The performance version's, you know, quite a, a bit faster. Uh, but, you know, the, the numbers, it's, it's a mainstream vehicle now. Like, this is the vehicle that is the most common vehicle and you know common passenger vehicle in the world and it's an ev and that's a big deal and i think to not like note that would be a, a big glaring omission yeah exactly especially like the impact that's going to have on the industry is massive yep. like it just be the corolla as the best-selling car, the Corolla starts at twenty-two thousand in the U.S. The Model th the Model Y starting price is literally exactly twice that. It starts at forty-four thousand in the U.S. Uh, but even that, so in terms, so just that alone in terms of uh, uh, revenue 
of a vehicle that that's the best selling vehicle per revenue already was last year. Now this year it's going to be like almost double the next best, if if not if not more. Uh, and forty, and you, you then you go, but Fred, like all right, you're putting best vehicle of the year, but you could have put the EX30 that uh, that is much well, much cheaper, like significantly cheaper, and uh, much more affordable vehicle. I mean, the Model Y still starts before incentive at forty four thousand dollars, which is four thousand dollars less than the new uh, the average new car price in the U.S. right now. So it's below the average new car price starting price. And then add the incentives to that, and it's 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 far below, depending on where you are, and if you have access to the incentive, far below the, the cost. So, I, I think it's it's worth alone making the vehicle of the year just for how it changed the whole industry. As in, you want to have what's the gold standard right now for a vehicle program in terms of revenue, in terms of volume, in terms of popularity which is the three main things that automakers care about. Uh, the Model Y is that right now. Um, I want to go to the questions a little bit uh, while we're waiting for Fred to come back online. Um, Patricio Benedin uh, said, after yeah. digesting all the videos of the Cybertruck last week, uh, you know what, let's move on. Uh, 2020 Model Y owner here. I miss all the improvements versus the current model, better suspension, noise isolation via double pane windows, etc., but will not trade in for a new one due to Elon. Uh, I kind of get that. Uh, there's a lot of people that won't upgrade due to Elon. I'm not necessarily in that boat. I won't up update due to having full self-driving, which I don't want to get rid of my car with. Fred, it looks like you're back. Yeah. Sorry. I, I had some internet okay. issues before connecting. I thought I resolved them before the podcast, but it looks like there was a little, uh, a little problem. We're going to blame Bell for that. Uh, All right, yeah, so, so I was going through uh, some of the the comments here um, mm -hmm. on that. Um, Electric Brian, for the best car of the year, I like that you picked a car that people can actually own. I don't like when people pick a car that no one owned yet, especially the year. Example, the EX30. I would also say I think Motor Trend picked the Blazer SS EV, which that's great. It's an EV, but who's driven one of those? Yeah. Like, uh, we're, the drive event was like after Motor Trend announced it. So that's a little bit frustrating. Yeah, I agree with that. That that was part of the idea behind our our, our logic to to pick them all wide too. Like, it's just it makes sense. And Carl in San Diego has something positive to say about Tesla, which is rare. <laughs> uh, probably the best all arounder for them. And what Tesla should have built early, had they known, could be their only model. I wouldn't go that far, but that's a probably a good point that. But uh, you, they you have built that first. You have to have some experience to lead that. Like to to build a car like that, you have to have. The Model Three, the Model Y doesn't exist without the Model Three. The Model Three doesn't exist without the Model S, and and so on. Like it's just that's how it happened. That's why I'm excited about the Cybertruck, not because necessarily of the Cybertruck itself, but I'm excited about the Model Y with 48 volt system architecture. I'm excited oh, yeah. about Model Y with steer by wire. I'm excited about all those things, uh, and the Cybertruck is the test bed for that, basically, which is which I find really interesting. I'm, I'm not saying it's the official plan for Tesla, but it feels like that. Uh, so moving on, we're going to talk about the Cybertruck a little bit. So <laughs> last week, obviously, was the, our podcast was right, right after the launch. And uh, we, um, we, we, we had a little bit of a worry about the Cybertruck being a redo of the Tesla Semi event of last year, where Tesla 
announce like launch production version of the vehicle and then delivers a few and then doesn't do anything with it for a few months or at least nothing that uh, consumers can get um uh, even though it's not a consumer vehicle this is somewhere obviously but we know that there were very few deliveries after that uh, that event so we were afraid that a cyber truck might be something similar but we are hearing that people are taking deliveries of the cyber truck right now and uh, we uh, and tesla is reaching out to actual like regular customers that were early in the uh, in in the um, backlog of reservation that place of reservation right after the launch in november 2019 and they are offering them uh, something a little bit different so we are obviously at the launch event we heard learn about uh the rear wheel drive version which is not coming until 2025 the dual motor version that's coming now uh and the cyber beast which is a tri-motor version uh now tesla is offering a cyber truck foundation series to those early member uh, early reservation holders and uh so sounds like it's going to be some kind of like uh, uh limited edition without actually putting an exact limit on, on the version but tesla wrote in the email as an early reservation holders you're invited to order your foundation series Cybertruck, which is fully option includes limited edition laser laser edge badging premium accessories charging equipment with power share home backup hardware alternate tires full self-driving capability and more so what we learn uh, from people that have received that email is that there's basically two trims that you can choose from so you can choose a dual motor uh, foundation series or a cyber base foundation series and those are priced at a hundred thousand dollars for the dual motor which is twenty thousand dollars more than the base price of the uh, the regular cyber truck and then um uh $120,000 for the Cyber Beast version, a tri-motor version of the Foundation Series. So you get that laser edge badging, which is going to be a limited edition badging. So that is what is actually like limited edition, but uh, they, don't, they don't say exactly like how limited. Uh, now you get you get full self-driving in that, which is a $12,000 uh, option right now. So it, it is a significant uh, thing to be included in there so it covers like twenty thousand dollar more is covering that but the, obviously the power share equipment the alternate tires are optional too so it's it looks like a bit of a discount overall that tesla is offering with that um now the way they they put it is like it's all included in the vehicle's price so obviously one what that does is like you can forget about the tax credit but i think m most people that are buying that truck the foundation series gonna like the, the early version don't really have access to that tax credit anyway so that's not really that big of an issue uh but the thing that i'm thinking that it makes me think of is like tesla is basically hiding the price of the full self-driving in that package and i know that a lot of people Early in the reservation process at Tesla with the Cybertruck, there was some language that made it sound like you um, you get the full self-driving price at that time in 2019, which I don't re exactly remember what it was, but I think it was like $10,000 or $8,000, something like that, which is much cheaper than the $12,000 at, uh, at this time. So people are, are starting to lock in that price. Maybe it was even $5,000, I don't remember. But by adding the price of full self-driving into that bigger package tesla is probably uh getting around that that language that it had back then because now people cannot go like hey you're charging me more for the full self-driving that you were supposed to it's like no no we're just we're including it full self-driving in that foundation series package 
then you, you could probably try to find the price of that exactly. But like, how do you price a limited edition laser edge badging? <laughs> for me, it's like 20 bucks, but for, for some <laughs> other people, it could be uh, a lot more. And the problem with that, with the limited edition is like, okay, then maybe the foundation series becomes some kind of a collection item. But if they don't tell you how many they're doing it, that's very risky. Like the signature series of the Model S, they made 2,000 of them. So at least, okay, we know, we know that there's about 2,000 of them, um, which is still a lot for becoming a, collect, like a collector's item. Like I'm not, I'm not saying it's going to become one, but it might be. Um, this, if they make like 5,000, 10,000, like it's become, becoming hard. So you, you, I don't really know how to price that. You know, you mentioned the, the FSD on there. I thought it was really important that they did not mention full self-driving once at the event yeah like elon zero times was full self-driving even brought up yeah i mean the power share also wasn't brought up like well that's true there was a lot of things that weren't brought up so many things they didn't brought up but he usually Uh, brings that one up now now that i think of it uh there was one thing he didn't like in the monroe interview I mean, I, I, I like listened to that thing in like in 4X, like to be honest with you, but, but uh, at one point he did like mention, oh, during the, I didn't talk about that during the, uh, the event. And so I was like, oh, at least like you know, he's giving us like a logic behind it, but I don't remember which one it was. I don't know if it was self-driving or it was PowerShare. It was probably uh, PowerShare or the, uh, the battery, the extra battery. Oh, it was the extended battery. You're right. I think it was the extended battery. Um, but he didn't, he didn't like release any new details about it. Right now. Uh, but yeah, the big, the best news in the whole email, I think, is that Tesla confirmed that deliveries are now happening in California and Texas. So deliveries are going through the month of December, and uh, more states are going to come in 2024. So that's that. That was what we were expecting because uh, Tesla always focuses on uh, California, Texas first, where they're based. Oh yeah, speaking of that Monroe interview, so the so the this sort of biggest, like most interesting news, even though it's like it's a tidbit of information or anything, is uh Elon mentioning the low cost Tesla happening. Um he did he did give a welcome like uh, through like CEO type comment of like I cannot comment on things that are financially material to Tesla because it's a public company and everything. Uh at the same time, he's going to the Supreme Court with that. SEC, uh, SEC muzzle thing, but that's specifically yeah. about Twitter, though. So it's not, it's not about. Uh, is I mean, what he comments. said on Twitter was related to Tesla. So yeah, no, it it's is... about Tesla. It's about Tesla, but uh, the SEC muzzle is specifically about what he says on Twitter about Tesla. I don't think yeah. it, like it covers uh, is other modes of communication, even though <laughs> there's not that many other than X. Um, yeah. By the so, way. Before we get into that, the end of this conversation got really weird. Uh, they were talking about like civil wars between woke people and non-woke people and the end of the world's coming and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Did you find that weird or was that just kind of par for the course with these guys? I mean, it, the entire interview was like, it, it, it didn't feel like an interview. It, it felt yeah. like, and I know a lot of podcasts are like that, which I like in general, but uh, for for them, it was like kind of... Uh, uh, I don't know. Like it didn't, it, it, it didn't be very structured or very like. And no. Monroe kept going on these little tangents, and and it, 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 he spoke like ninety percent of the time, even though it's. I know. So, but like the 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 
title is Elon Musk and Sandy Monroe discuss the Cybertruck. It's not an Elon Musk interview. Don't go into it thinking it's an Elon Musk interview. You won't you won't see that. So I think that well, yeah, the whole thing was kind of weird for sure. Um, but yeah, the uh, Elon said we are working on a low cost electric vehicle that we've made in really high volume. We're quite far advanced in that work. So that was the far advanced is what people. Uh, are latched on in that interview. I review the production and plans for uh, for that every week. I think that the revolution in manufacturing that will be represented by that car will blow people's minds. So that I cringe every time Elon says blows people's mind now because, I mean, he's, he, to be fair, he's blown my mind plenty of times. Like with uh, every time he lands a rocket a booster on the ground, I like that blows my mind for sure. But. Uh, he's used that term too often for like describing an FSD beta update that like make my car even worse than before. <laughs> then I'm like, all right, like that's you blow my mind by thinking that that will blow my mind more than anything. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the the, the whole uh, revolution in manufacturing. I mean, he already unveiled the unboxed. Uh, production technique back in the, the investor day, and uh, that was quite quite well received by people that. Uh, uh, that new approach, I think, like people really like that. And I mean, the industry itself, because uh, this is kind of things that go over our head a little bit, like it is really like minutia of manufacturing. But uh, it, it still made sense to me, like, it made, all right, like, why are we not making cars like that? So, um, so that, 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 that is it. And he also um, specified something that we started to put together in the last few months, really, like, especially since the book came out, uh, that uh, Elon, he confirmed that the, the low-cost vehicle will first be produced at Gigafactory Texas, and then later, second, in Gigafactory Mexico. So it sounds Texas That was first, interesting, because initially, uh, they said, like, that was going to be a Europe car, and then at one point, they said it was going to be, you know, designed in China, made in China. Yeah, so well, they never weird. really said that, that 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 Chinese car is going to be this. We we assumed that, but uh, uh, it, did, it was it sounded like a safe assumption at the time. Uh, but now it sounds like it's Texas first, and it makes sense because because it's, it's there that they're gonna they're gonna be designing the production line for it. So it makes sense. Wait, has the design line. center actually moved from design center still in LA? Right. Well, like, they still Franz have is. a design center in LA. Maybe the. Some of the design team has moved to Texas. I'm not. I don't know. I've had um, friends is still being spotted in LA uh, all of the right. time. So I saw that he got his uh, VIN number two Cybertruck. Yeah, uh, yeah, that on Twitter. Yeah, a lot of people are are taking delivery. Right? Well, a lot. Of, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but uh, enough that it's uh, reassuring us that uh, the, it's it's not a Tesla semi situation. All right, we got the leak on the Tesla holiday update. Um, uh, thanks to not the Tesla app, uh, they got uh, the release notes. And uh, for those not aware, the holiday update is kind of, uh, you know, Tesla generally like does frequent software update and it can be like super small. A lot of time they're not even release notes. They're so small. Uh, if there is release notes, it's sometimes just one or two like notable features and, and then uh, a bunch of fixes and whatnot. But they try to bundle everything for a bigger updates in the holiday season. And most often, there's also some more like fun features rather than functional, though there's always also normally some like big new, sorry, functional features. Last year was not really a big one, kind of disappointing to a lot of people. And this year is also like a weak one. It's not something that's like super exciting. Some stuff that is very interesting, the Apple podcast now on... Um, um, 
on Tesla vehicles. So if you have a podcast that you're uh, listening just on uh, on on the, the um, on Apple Podcasts rather than Spotify, like most podcasts on all the different platforms, including Spotify. So like ours, <laughs> so you, you can do that. But some some of them are like exclusive. So now you can what, listen them through the car directly rather than the Bluetooth in your phone. Uh, some minor updates, Tesla arcades. Uh, other, other than uh, now you can uh, play the games uh, from the rear, rear uh, screen now. Um, Tesla is calling it a, like a mobile land party. Uh, this is pretty cool. Automatic 911 calls. Whoops, my uh, shift, my screen is shifting. Uh, so your vehicle will call 911 if an accident triggers the airbags. Uh, so it's something that uh, Elon talked about like a long time ago. I remember him saying that. And so Tesla is basically uh, offloading that to the <laughs> to 911 because uh, before that. It, Tesla would call Tesla detect the accident and Tesla would call you and like, hey, everything is okay. You need something from us. You need roadside assistance. You need 911, whatever. So now it's like straight 911, <laughs> not going through Tesla anymore. Uh, speed camera on your routes that um, uh, that leaked last week. Uh, so it's like kind of a ways like system of uh, the navigation system now showing you speed cameras. So this is pretty cool. Uh, this is probably the one that I'm going to use the most that I'm most excited about. It's a trip planner on mobile apps. So now you can, uh, you, you could already do that uh, through Google Maps um, by planning your trip on Google Maps and then forwarding it to your Tesla app. It works sometimes and sometimes it didn't work. Like it was not a perfect integration uh, with Google Maps. So now you have the Tesla trip planner that you have in your car, you have it on your phone, and then you can, so you can plan your trip on your phone inside your house, which is very nice nowadays with uh, 20 feet of snow outside and minus 20. Plan everything in your car, send it there. You get in your car, everything is in there already. You just get going. So that's pretty cool. Uh, more cameras and live uh, camera views on your phones. So that's, that's all right. You just get access to more of the cameras around there. Uh, automatic blind spot camera. I can show you the video of it right here. Uh, so it's basically the same camera that you, sh it, you see when you um, uh, put your turning lights on. When you change lane, it shows you the camera on the side. If there's a car there, now there's a blinking as you can see, a blinking red light on this, uh, not even blinking, oh uh, yeah, blinking red light on the side. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, this, uh, I don't know how useful this is. Like we saw like the Cybertruck as a blind spot warning light on each side where you would look, where you're supposed to look at your mirrors. <laughs> so the idea is like, apparently we learned that Tesla's gonna allow you to remove those mirrors like they're supposed to be easily removable uh with, with, with the cameras replacing them making the car more efficient there's not that much detail about that just yet but now the blind spot with if you have the um the reflex of looking at your mirror which you should have uh, if you're a good driver uh you you're gonna see at least the light that tells you ah there's a car there uh versus looking at the screen showing you the what what the what's on your, on your side of your car or your truck in this case. Uh, so this is kind of the same thing, but it's since you don't have those lights, it's on the car itself. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't beat seeing an actual vehicle on that screen or in your mirrors, but whatever. So I don't think it's that big of a, sh uh, of a deal. Uh, you have a new version of the light show that's now attuned the arrival by Irving Victoria. Don't know that one, but this, uh, 
often has a, a light show in its vehicle or it, it times to the music. So they uh, release a new one for this holiday update. You have now Shuffle Play on the Tidal app integration. You have uh, profile images on Apple and Spotify. Um, the search is includes, uh, you have a search features in the owner's manual that's inside the vehicle and a charging location filter now that allows you to, to filter by, by charging speed of uh, more or less than 70 kilowatts. I mean, those last two, you can tell that Tesla knows it's not a big holiday update because those last three here, uh, even four, yeah, those last four, like it's something that normally Tesla wouldn't even put in the release notes. And now they basically at light show, after light show, it was. Yeah, it's all like things that don't even need to be in the release notes. It's fine. It's cool that they do this. Uh, I'm interested to see the new light show, but I agree it's not one of their bigger ones. Mm -hmm. I agree. All right, th this one here is uh, uh, gonna, it's going to include some speculation, but uh, I think it's still interesting because we Dojo is kind of uh, not our last hope. I'm exaggerating, but it's uh, one of the things that uh, we are that give us the most hope about an acceleration of the improvements, of the pace of improvements of uh, the FSD beta uh, situation, which. Uh, doesn't feel like it's two weeks away from uh, becoming a, full, or a true full self-driving system, as Elon uh, claims. Uh, so we hope that uh, the Dojo would enable the Jojo plus V12 going uh, neural net from neural net virtual control, so end-to-end neural nets. Combine that with supercomputing, increasing the, the pace of the neural nets improvement. That's what that was a hope, but the Dojo program seems to be a bit uh, in shambles right now. So we know it was already late. The cluster was just put online this summer versus instead of last year, and now we are hearing that there's a big shakeup at the, the leadership of the Dojo project. So now I'm sorry, Mr. Ganesh, uh, I'm gonna screw up your name, but uh, the head of the Dojo program, Ganesh Venkantaramanan, um, was the autopilot. Uh, hardware director, but most of his, most specifically, was the head of the Dojo program. He was hired by Jim Keller back in the day when Tesla started to build its uh, chip team. He's a longtime chip designer, spent 14 years at AMD, a uh, very well-known person in the industry. Uh, he left Tesla. So we heard last month, late last month, we heard about that from a source, but it was a new source. Uh, we I tried to confirm the information with other people and I, I couldn't confirm it. So we decided not to report on it because just one source that is not uh, uh, verifiable is not something that we generally act on. But this week, Bloomberg um, confirmed that he left the company. So now we know for sure he left the company. Uh, Bloomberg didn't have anything else other than uh, Peter Bannon taking over the, the role. Uh, what we learned also from the, the source, which again, we cannot confirm, but gives the source a lot more credibility now that uh, the source information was was uh, was confirmed by Bloomberg. The other part of the source information, I should say, is that uh, it was actually let go by Tesla. Um, and uh, it was not the only one. Uh, it, it was also other people in the top of the um, dojo team that were that were let go. So it's basically a full shakeup of the leadership of dojo. And we were told that it had to do with the second generation dojo chip uh, not meeting Tesla's expectations. So the Dojo tip, if you remember, was announced all the way back in uh, 2020 when Tesla unveiled the Dojo computer. Uh, so you're already working on that. And apparently it's uh, behind uh, in terms of expectations. So I know I, like the 
So obviously earlier this year, NVIDIA shaked up the hardware AI world a lot with their own AI hardware. So maybe Elon's not happy where Tesla is at on the hardware side of things um, and and requires a shakeup. I don't know. But letting go of uh, Mr. Van Kataramanan is definitely like a, a big move for Tesla. Like he's, again, he's been at Tesla for five years. Uh, so like if if you're at Tesla for five years, like it's not an issue of like, oh, can you work with Elon or not? Or, or like, uh, can you sustain like the insane pace at Tesla? Like the guy was was able to to do the work obviously uh if he, he lasted that long in the in the tesla pace uh so and obviously someone really respected in the industry 14 years amd was hired by jim keller and so tesla is like but, by the way speaking of jim keller up, did, sorry didn't you weren't we like speculating he might go to uh jim keller's uh yeah, I mean that was just that speculation public? from 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 my part. I mean, I've mm -hmm. seen that uh, Jim Keller's new uh, it's ten ten storant, uh was it? Uh ten storant. Yeah, it's it's a new well, he just started two new companies basically, like a software more and a firmware company and a, a hardware company in the AI space. And he's hired several people from Tesla, uh, from his whole team at Tesla. Obviously, there was like a gap between uh, Tesla and that, and that company um, for Keller. He's, he's been out of Tesla for a while now. But uh, I'm, I'm not surprised that he's going to pick up uh, Ganesh and, and probably other people that Tesla let go uh, from the Dojo program. Um, I, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised since it's a, it's a team that he built himself. So. But yeah, I mean, it is a little bit worrying on the uh, FSD beta front because I was really hoping that the dojo. I'm not saying that it's not going to happen now, but obviously there's there's something a brew in the dojo program. Seems like it. Um, oh yeah, this is this is really cool from Tesla here. Um, Tesla apparently shared its uh, 48 volt uh, architecture documentation uh, with other automakers, uh, and it was confirmed by Jim Farley. So. And Jim Farley said it was very welcome. So he said that he received the documents and uh, um, dated uh, December 5th. And he said it's great for the industry. And he, he thanked Elon Musk. He also added that uh, uh, the next generation team at uh, Ford were already looking into that. And that was the direction they were looking for. So basically confirming that the next generation EVs from Ford are going to be 48 volt. I would hope so. I wonder if that uh, includes the new uh, pickups. The, yeah, but well, when I think next generation Ford, I mostly think I think the the next gen F one hundred and fifty coming in twenty twenty five. I think that's the main right. thing. Um, I think that a lot of other vehicles are going to be based on that technology. So yeah, I mean, obviously, it's not it's not just it's not completely naturalistic from from Tesla. Tesla has made the first move with forty eight volt, but it would be helpful if the rest of the industry start moving that way, just purely on a supply chain basis, uh, also on a third party accessory basis to work on forty eight volt, uh, going to be uh, very useful. So yeah, I mean, I think Tesla is like kind of making a, a NAX kind of move here. Yeah, and and it would reduce Tesla's costs if you know, like lights or you know, little things that were just commodities uh, were made in huge numbers at forty eight volts rather than just just for Tesla. Yeah, because now they go like, yeah, we need this this part for two hundred fifty thousand Cybertrucks, uh, and then the only making this part for two hundred fifty thousand Cybertruck rather than making millions of them for the Cybertruck by F one fifty two and whatnot. Mm -hmm. 
a little bit of an update on the uh, on the strike that's happening right now in Sweden for for Tesla. So those not aware, I'm going to quick recap, real quick recap, because we talked about it a lot. This has been an evolving situation for a month now. Tesla service employees in Sweden, about a hundred of them, go on strike uh, to to try to negotiate a collective agreement with Tesla. Then uh, Tesla says nope. <laughs> and then um, since they don't have that much power, as it's just a hundred people or so, uh, a bunch of other unions in Sweden uh, try to help them by putting pressure on Tesla in any way they can, whether it's janitorial work not being done by a janitorial union uh, at Tesla location. Um, then the, 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 the port workers stop uh, moving Tesla vehicles to the port. Um, electrician installing charging station there stop working for Tesla uh, and, and so forth. But now the, the crazy thing is like now it's not just Sweden. It's spreading through Europe because the, the big thing that happened is like we learned that from the union, obviously, IF Metal, that is the, the union that uh, is working uh, with the Tesla employees. They were apparently told by Tesla Sweden, the people negotiating on Tesla's behalf in Sweden, that they were told themselves by Elon Musk that they are not allowed to sign, to sign any kind of bargaining agreement, collective bargaining agreement with uh, uh, with anyone, with any union. So they're basically tell, told the union where it's not even worth negotiating with you guys because we're not, we're told that there's no way we can um, sign anything. So, so what happened is like uh, now the other unions are trying to put more pressure on Tesla by um, taking action. So we learned this week that uh, a port worker in Denmark, so Tesla tried to reroute, well, I mean, Tesla was already using Danish port, but uh, tried to reroute uh, vehicles to Danish port um, to avoid the, the problem in Sweden, that now the port worker in, in uh, Denmark are also uh, boycotting Tesla. Uh, then we learned the same thing is happening for uh, transport uh, services in Norway. So uh, the biggest union in Norway, I'm not even going to try to name it, but is um, announced that they are supporting by, uh, it's not, a, it's not right now, at least for Tesla, it's not affecting Norwegian operation. If it does, that could be putting a lot of pressure on Tesla because Norway is a big market for them, but they are not going to move cars from Norway to Sweden. So Tesla cannot use Norway as a way to get around the problem in Sweden. So that's interesting. And obviously the fact that they are in the fight themselves, uh, this union could, could could cause a lot of problems for Tesla in Norway, which again, the big market. So now that they say, hey, we're in the fight, it sends a message for Tesla. And uh, today we learned also Finland is also now getting on board. So a union in Finland is doing the same thing. So very strong support for unions in, uh, in Scandinavian countries. They back each other very well. So... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if Tesla is going to finally flinch to a union because right now they are basically as a stalemate in uh, in Sweden. And if they're not bending at all, uh, it could be you could be seeing the union like ramping up effort in those countries as we just mentioned to to put even more pressure on Tesla. So something something to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, and, and it's a big deal because uh, the union in the US, the United Auto Workers is ramping up to kind of take on Tesla and, and Toyota and some others. But um, if Tesla flinches or gives in here, it's going to give the unions here some ammo. And if, uh, I mean, I, I guess if I'm Tesla, I'm learning from, from this 
like how to deal with unions and I'm, if I'm the unions, I'm how to deal with Tesla. So it'll be interesting to see how this affects what happens in the U.S. as well. Yeah, there's a lot of implication beyond Sweden. Going back to the U.S., though, um, Tesla has officially said right now that it's going to lose half of the $7,500 tax credit on the two uh, lower Model 3 trims starting in January 1st. So it already warned that that might be the case, but it wasn't sure. But now Tesla has updated its website saying that customer would take delivery of a qualifying new Tesla and meet all federal requirements are eligible for a tax credit up to $7,500. Tax credit will be reduced to uh, $3,750 for Model 3 rear-wheel drive and Model 3 long-range, long which we weren't sure about, on January 1st, 2024. So you need to take delivery before uh, the 31st uh, to be eligible if you are for the other re personal requirements. So this is kind of a, well, I mean, we appreciate the clarity for sure. We already didn't even know how Tesla was getting the full tax credit on the Model 3 rear-wheel drive because it's LFP sales. So it was very confusing. Uh, but, and the new version of the long-range Model 3 was also uh, confusing. But uh, now we know it's at least going to get half of it. So uh, even, even that, I'm not, I'm not sure how they're doing it, but they are. Um, but at the same time, this is a little bit helpful for Tesla in this quarter because there was the point of sale transition in 2024, which was attractive to a lot of buyers too. So if you were eligible for the tax credit, you might have wanted to wait until next month to buy the car in order to get the point of sale and get that uh, money back a lot faster than the, with your tax return. Um, so now you were much more willing to wait a few months to get your tax return if you're getting $3,750 more out of it. So this is incentivizing people for these two trims to really buy now and take the, well, and take, especially take delivery now uh, by the end of the month. And uh, Ford also signaled the same thing with the Mackie. Uh, they expect the Mackie to lose the tax credit in, on January 1st. So, um, I don't know, I can also, I don't know, I can, that's the Tesla. So it's a full one, I think, for, for the Mackie they're expecting. Uh, or no? No, it's the half of it. Okay. Right. Qualified customer. Okay, no, it's going to be a half of it too. Right. And that's because the Mackie gets the LFP batteries. Uh, as soon as next year? Oh, no. I Well, yeah. I mean, I know it's going to happen next year, but I don't know if it's right away next year. Well, they're talking about January 1st, too. So the the change in the requirements that's coming with January 1st is is the, the thing that's changing here. Obviously, the FP batteries. But no, no, I think, no, anyway, no. Isn't Ford, once they get the FP batteries, won't, won't it be American-made FP batteries? They were going to have an American-made one, but during the strike, they, oh, you're they, right, you're right, they you're stopped right. the uh, building of that thing. You're right. What a mess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, bummer. Speaking I of bummer, another bummer right there. So apparently, uh, GM officials have confirmed that uh, when we get the next generation Bolt, e uh, Bolt EV, we were expecting a new generation Bolt EV, Bolt EUV in 2025 after the uh, one-year hiatus uh, on the uh, on the Bolt program uh, after they killed the current version uh, this month. Uh, though there's going to be still some inventory for the next few months, probably. So it's not like a full year dead. But when it's coming back in 2025, uh, those people are saying that uh, it's only going to come back as an EUV. Um, so there was already a hint of that last month. But now apparently it was confirmed to uh, 
inside EV in a, in a new comment uh, that uh, the old AUV seen here is going to be the only one making a comeback on the Ultium platform and not the EV. So yeah, appar apparently uh, one of the engineers at the uh, Blazer event uh, told everybody <laughs> they were like, uh, yeah, the next bolt is only going to be EV. And uh, apparently some people thought that was embargoed. Um, the writer over inside EVs didn't think it was embargoed. So we actually knew that we just, uh, we didn't mm -hmm. write it until it was already let out in the, the open. Um, bomber because like, that's pretty much the only hatchback, uh, EV that's around. Obviously the Volvo EX30 is going to be coming and that's kind of hatchbacky, but you know, I'm a big bolt EV fan and. I'm I'm bummed that they're not going to make a new one. Although, like they're going to change it so much anyway with the LFP batteries and the no CarPlay Android Auto and all the other stuff that it might be unrecognizable anyway. But mm -hmm. we'll see. We'll give them. We'll but give, the we'll... form factor itself, it seems like the Bolt EV had a bigger place in the lineup uh, in the new GM electric lineup than the EUV. Like the EUV is closer to other things. Really close uh, to the Equinox. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it has the exact same uh, cargo space. Yeah, it, uh, the Equinox is like a little bit longer and a little bit shorter. Uh, actually, it's quite a bit longer; it's like twenty inches longer. But um, mm. you know, it's still the same kind of vehicle. But the so it's EV, weird that they the EV is even shorter than that, even smaller than that, and there's nothing smaller than that in the lineup. No, but yeah. yeah, it's you see. The it's funny, right like here. you see the lineup. It's like something for everyone, and it's just SUV, 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 SUV. Bolt EV SUV SUV, <laughs> so and and all, those are not all uh, EVs. Obviously, the tracks right. and the Trailblazer are not. The, the the EV is the is that price that's based on pricing, not not size, right? Uh, the yeah, yeah, because the Traverse is yeah, way bigger and, than than all those. Yeah, and also right the the sizes of those bars are weird. I, that's a really yeah. bad graph. For yeah. A lot of reasons. Yeah, for sure. All right, we get a big update on the Lucid lineup this week. Um, well, the, the Air lineup, it's still just the Air, but uh, the uh, trims on those have been updated. Uh, okay, so, okay, so, so those are different. So for the Air Pure, which is the base version of the vehicle, uh, gets a price cut from 82,400 to 77,400 but it gets um, a reduction in power output from 480 to 430 horsepower making it a little bit slower for the 2024 version 4.5 versus 3.8 but uh, you get a little bit more range out of it so 419 miles of range versus 410 so a little bit less power a little bit more range and a significant price cut uh, you also so these are new option uh, okay, no, so, so if you upgrade for the Touring version, you get the uh, uh, steering wheel, uh, rear heated reset seats, soft closed doors, four zone climate control, power rear window sunshade. Oh, that's very luxurious. You don't get that uh, everywhere. Um, and uh, the power stays the same for the Air Touring. It loses a little bit of range. Ooh, 425 to 411. It's all the same neighborhood when you get over 400 miles you can't complain too much and it gets a nine thousand dollar price cut so that's a sweet it's now starts at eighty five thousand nine hundred. uh so a significant update to the 
line up. I thought the Sapphire, the Sapphire didn't change uh, in pricing. No. Uh, I don't see anything about the Sapphire. Okay. All right, we have uh, two more news items to discuss, and then we're going to jump into the comment section. Uh, so if you guys have any question for us today, you can put it in the comment section right now, whether you're on Facebook, uh, YouTube, or LinkedIn. Do I only see comments from YouTube right now? Uh, yeah, so maybe. No, Facebook should be working too. Not sure what's happening. All right, uh, so it can be things that we discussed today, or it can be any other subject in the EV world that you want our take on. You can put them in the comment section right now. We're going to get to that in about uh, five to ten minutes max. Uh, you have a new Toyota electric SUV that has been unveiled, or concept has been unveiled, but they confirm that uh, there's going to be a production version coming twenty. Uh, 2025 or 2026, I'm uh, just want to be sure because I read this article earlier this week. 2026. So this is the concept version for an electric SUV coming 2026. And if you look at it, it might remind you a little bit of the Volvo EX30. Um, a little bit more out there, obviously. This is, this is a concept, but it's similar size. Uh, and the design is also, again, just a concept. The design is, is somewhat similar, too. It's actually a little bit uh, longer than the... the uh, uh, no, yeah, the EX30 is a little bit longer. But other than that, basically the same Yeah, size. this one's a little higher off the ground. The EX30 next year is going to have a uh, off-road version. So maybe that that's kind of what this is hoping to be. Um, it also kind of looks like a mini RAV4 a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, I can see that. It does look I mean, closer totally to the EX30 than the RAV4 to me, which is weird. Right, no, for sure. I said uh, the RAV4 looks good. I saw uh, on my way, I just I just drove from Montreal to Shawinigan uh, earlier this afternoon, and uh, I saw a truckload full of uh, BZ, BZ4X uh, and, and RAV4, and uh, I think they're good-looking cars. Uh, Fisker this week announced a dial back of its uh, 2023 production targets. Obviously, we're very much at the end of the year, but uh, they're saying that they want to focus on profitability. Uh, so they are uh, sliding back their production output from... Um, so now it's 10,000 units and it was... What was it before? Uh, well... Maybe they didn't even have it. Uh, no, no, they had one. I think it was because uh, it was it, they reduced it two times. I think it was like fifteen thousand to twelve thousand, and now it's ten thousand. It's something something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not a great look for the company. Obviously, uh, they are losing a lot of money per quarter. Still, they are making money, gross profit margins on the on the truck. Technically, that's uh, thanks to uh, Magna producing it. Uh, so. We, it's already like a counted into a price, but still they need to ramp up production in order to make money for like just the deliveries of these, the servicing of these and all that. Like you need uh, the fleet uh, to, to grow in order to make that happen. And uh, now with uh, them losing $91 million a quarter, <laughs> it's not uh, sustainable when they have... Um, um, for Fisker has made a strategic decision to reduce December production to prioritize liquidity to unlock over 300 millions of working capital, which create additional business flexibility. So, um, apparently, yeah, you can. 
you were right yeah. about the uh, the numbers. It was originally seventeen thousand, then reduced to thirteen thousand, and then yeah, 10, yeah. So it's about that. Um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> yesterday, uh, Enric Fisker posted on his Instagram like a long post, like saying like, because a lot of people are like, eh, that's not that's not a good look." Like normally, after you start production, you ramp up production. You don't slow down production. And obviously, we know that uh, Fisker has been doing a lot of uh, ads for, for, for the ocean, uh, even though they claim to have like 70,000 reservation or something for, for it. So how do you have 70,000 reservation? You're producing just 300 ocean a day. Um, why, why do you need more order, more reservation? You can just go through the reservation pro uh, backlog. So it does sound uh, like obviously the, the, uh, the 70,000 reservation was like worldwide. And right now they are delivering and they're still, he said that they are delivering in 11 countries. So they, they do have access to a significant numbers of the reservation holders, I would assume. And uh, they're not being, they're not able to make that happen. Uh, obviously this is a problem that a lot, a lot of uh, companies are experiencing right now, which you have a big backlogs of, uh, of orders. Uh, but a uh, reservation, I should say, but converting them in orders right now is more difficult, especially if people that place the reservation like a while back before the interest rates adds like up to a hundred dollars a month on your um, uh, on, on your monthly payments for a new car if you're taking a loan, which most people have to do in order to buy a new car. So it is it is a lot more difficult to make that move to make people pull the trigger on an order even if they have a reservation. But Fisker is making it sound like everything is okay. It's about unlocking some working capital, but there is uh, room for doubt about that and about Fisker having some demand issues. There's room for the doubt, I should say. All right, should we jump into the comment section? We have a few comments today. Yep. Uh, Patricio Benedin, after digesting all the videos of the Cybertruck last week, I wonder what will be the implemented for the next-gen low-cost Model 2. Any thoughts? Uh, we we did cover that a little bit, but um, do you think the Model 2 will have like a 48-volt system? Do you think it'll have like 800-volt? I, I don't think 800-volt makes sense there uh, for the main thing, but what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the, the overall battery system like the Cybertruck is using like a parallel battery system uh because it can like as Sylvain just mentioned it has a 123 kilowatt hour batteries in there uh but the model 2 is going to have what we're calling it model 2 the low cost tesla is going to have a much smaller battery so it makes no sense on that front so yeah you're right probably not a hate on the vault system but steer by wire could make it most likely is going to make it there because uh, that you can make at lower cost, especially if you have some experience making it on the Cybertruck by now. Uh, same thing for the 48-volt system that has a lot of potential to improve uh, weight and efficiency and all that. So all things that Price, can yeah. help with the cost. Um, again, maybe at first it's not that much an improvement in cost if you don't have experience making it, if you don't have a, an existing supply chain to supply it. Um, but if you already have that on an expensive $100,000 truck, then uh, it can help you do it at lower cost on a low-cost vehicle. So, yeah, th those things, I think, are going to make it. Uh, stainless steel body and all that, I don't, I don't know about that. But, uh, uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's still a lot of things you can get from the Cybertruck, I think. All right. Uh, we were having Internet issues earlier. Had you considered Starlink instead of Bell Canada? I do have Starlink. I bought them when they were super cheap. Like, they were doing, like... Uh, a super discount of like $200 for the hardware. And then, but it's $200 a month after that to get the service. So what I did is I bought the hardware and I didn't order the service. 
uh, so I can use it only when I want to or when I go like somewhere because you can you can activate that thing anywhere. So I thought that was a very good product to have around. And it has been useful in the past when I've had problem with my cable. Um, I do put the Starlink out there, pay for a month and have and I have it and then I cancel after a month and that's it. Uh, so I've been doing that. And I was about to do it today, uh, but I was on the phone with Bell trying to get my thing, this thing resolved because it made no sense. My internet was working, but it was working at like one megabits per second. But they, they, they said they had it resolved by the time I was on, on the podcast. It just had an issue for like a minute or so. All right. Uh, you mentioned Infinity built steer by wire, but theirs has a dead man's clutch and a real steering column. Yeah, it's not like they didn't go all in with it. Uh, when will the current car of the year lose its stocks? Yeah, some people are worried about that. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it is the wave uh, for Tesla. They are after they did it on the Model Three. I mean, I would be shocked if it's not coming to the Model Y at some point. When I have heard a lot uh, no... of people complaining about it. Uh, Sorry, I mean, I feel like uh, we hear people complaining about it when it's coming, but like when it happens and they use it, you mm-hmm. the the complainers aren't as quite as loud. I think. I think maybe people get used to it, or they just oh, I'm resign, sure. Resign I'm, I'm sure. Like it's not, it's not that big. Like the the turn signal, I could see. Like it does take some time to to change. Like it's kind of a habit to use a stock for that. But if you use FSD, you don't need it. Yeah. All right. Uh, regarding full self driving, I think there will be a lawsuit for hardware 3.0 owners, which is a lot of people. For a refund or transfer to a new vehicle, in my humble opinion, hardware four will be required for level four or five. They will downplay deny for as long as possible. That is a scenario that is not impossible, Mister Jinguns. Uh, I could see that happening, and I hope not. I hope Tesla can figure it out, and if they don't figure it out, I hope they do the right thing and and reimburse everyone, and if even the whole car, if you need to, because. That's the thing. It's not even just the FSD. Like a lot of people bought the car because of that. They were they believe that promise. So it could be a very weird situation for a while. So we'll see. It would be nice if they just made an offer, said, "Hey, yeah. look, if you want out, you can get out." Um, you had some solar roof customer contacts. I would be interested to see if uh, features with some installs that are doing auto bidder sell back or vehicle to grid installs with Tesla or Ford. I don't know if you know anything about that. Uh, you mean like seeing like how, uh, what, what kind of, um, money you can get out of, a uh, vehicle to, to grid, uh, from, yeah, I mean, I, this is still early for that. Uh, obviously we don't know anyone with a cyber truck yet that have that installed. And even for Ford, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know anyone that has a lightning that has that installed. I could ask around though. You, you, I know, I know a few people, uh, that have the lightning thing. It, it's very bespoke, very like. You know, yeah. People come out for days at a time, and it, it's it's very early days on that stuff. I mean, it's good that Ford did it. They they probably should have brought more of it in house and not outsourced it to three different companies. Yeah. All right, uh, we talked about the Model Two assembly line in Shanghai. There's an ambiguity on the Chinese car if that's going to be actual the Model Two or if it's going to be. Yeah, he did, I was surprised they didn't mention Shanghai on this. Like he he said. Texas first, and then Sandy mentioned uh, Mexico. He said, oh, I thought it was going to be Mexico. He said, yeah, that's going to be second. So even that Mexico, like, I don't even know. like, Because I, I wouldn't be surprised that Shanghai would be second, and then Mexico, because Shanghai at least is built out right now, and you don't, not a lot of space, obviously. But, um, 
yeah, I mean, Mexico is not even groundbroken so far. All right, S would also would recommend you get a hold of Matt Bruning if you want to learn all about Nordic unions and sympathy strikes. Tesla has zero percent chance of defeating this given their labor laws. It, okay. it does look like that right now. I mean, there was a temporary like win on the post office uh, side of things, but then there was turnaround today, so it's, it looks like no progress at all. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious. Uh, they cannot get around it at all. Like, they cannot just like have some strike breakers and just fire everyone and <laughs> and do uh, like that's uh, that's too hardcore. You don't allow that in Nordic countries. That's interesting. All right, uh, are you hearing of more people leaving Tesla and LinkedIn feed? I see many jobs posted. Are they growing or replacing? I'm, I mean, there's I always seen. a lot of job posting at Tesla. I don't. I'm not hearing of people leaving that much no not, not more than usual i mean there's a lot of turnover like any big companies especially in the tech industry all right what battery is used in the cyber truck it's uh 4680s it's a uh, 122.4 i think kilowatt hours um yeah so we not sure that. of the chemistry though this haven't confirmed the chemistry but it's uh should be close to whatever they announced at uh the battery day like should be as close as it gets to that all right, Model 2 is supposed to be 100% Tesla parts. Oof. I, don't know. I would be surprised by that. Like, it's like 10,000 parts in the car. Like, yeah. a few supplier. Uh, one big advantage of steer by wire is that it's easy to make both left-hand drive and right-hand drive. The other benefit is that if FSD is actually realized, they can lock out user input. Yeah, I mean, obviously, steer by wires and self-driving have been linked together for a long time, so... Not impossible. Also, uh, I believe it's easier to play the video games uh, with steer by wire. Yeah. You don't have... uh, Rex talks. Is there any way you could turn those color flashing light in the background off? I like those lights. Yeah, it's I mean, bit, it's a bit distracting. It, it's gonna be like I just I haven't been here all week. I installed them last week and then left to my condo Montreal. So I need to configure them so they put the, the they're going to be static and they're going to be the electric color. I need to, I'm going to figure that out this weekend. Uh, so yeah, they're going to stop flashing around. I'm sorry about that. I can see that being distracting. Uh, but that's it for this week's episode of the Electric Podcast. Thank you to our sponsor, Electric's Merch Store. You can go to merch.com, uh, merch.electric.co uh, to cop some merch. We don't even like it's so new. We don't even have our merch. Maybe next week we're going to have some to to show you. No, that's a Cybertruck hat. That's Tesla merch. Yeah, yeah, it's a Cybertruck hat. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Uh, all right, so thanks, everyone, for listening. If you do enjoy the show, you can put a like, a subscribe. Uh, if you're listening to your podcast app, if you can give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Only if you enjoy the show, obviously. Uh, it helps more than you think, and it's free to do. It takes a second, and we appreciate every single one of you that does it. And we're going to see you same place, same time next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye.